Hi, I'm James Schilling Law from Insider Travel Report, and I'm here again with an old friend, uh, Bill McGee, who's the Senior Fellow for Aviation and Travel for American Economic Liberties Project. And uh, just a, a point of order, Bill and I used to work together for many years uh, at various trade publications, and now he's uh, leading the charge uh, on uh, airline, airline consumer uh, rights for the American Economic Liberties Project. And the reason why we're talking to Bill, again, we did earlier, I think it was late, late last year about this, is the big ruling um, last week now, because that's when this will appear, um, on that the, the uh, uh, judge in the Boston court denied uh, the JetBlue Spirit merger because it was anti-competitive. And we'll get into the other reasons for it. And this is something that American Economic Liberties has been uh, really uh, trying to get done and, and have that court rule in that favor. Uh, so there's not going to be a JetBlue Spirit uh, merger at any time soon. And we're going to talk to Bill about that and a whole lot more on Insider Travel Report. Bill, first of all, great to see you. Uh, a, a good week for you, right? Yeah, yeah, good to see you, James. As always, um, look, we, we're um, we're thrilled at American Economic Liberties Project about this ruling. Uh, you'll recall we're sort of bookending here. Uh, when I last spoke to you, it was just before Halloween in late October, and I spoke to you from my hotel room in Boston. I had just gotten there. I was there for the first week of the trial. Right. Um, the trial went several weeks, and then uh, we got a pretty quick ruling. Here it is. You know, January and um, Judge Young ruled against this merger. Um, I think for those of us who were in the courtroom, uh, it was very hard to sort of, uh, you know, handicap this, you know, as people like to do. I mean, of course, when people heard I was there, I got somebody, you know, well, how do, how do you think he's going to rule? You know, and it, yeah. it's, just, it's sort of impossible to do that. Um, he was the judge was asking excellent questions. I have to say, you know, you know, as well as I do that the airline industry is unique. It's different than other industries. Even within the travel industry, it's unique. It has its own language, its own vocabulary. It's, you know, when, you, when you're when you in court and you have lawyers talking about available seat miles and revenue passenger miles and all of this stuff, you know, and you're not, and you're new to this world, it's a big learning curve. And I have yeah. to say, and I, I mean this sincerely, I followed the first Boston federal court trial with JetBlue. You know, there were two. And that was uh, the JetBlue American Airlines uh, Northeast Alliance trial that the DOJ filed suit against. And then, of course, I followed this one. And I have to say, it was two different judges, same courthouse, right. two different judges, a federal courthouse in Boston, Judge Sorokin in the first case and Judge Young in the second case. Both of them really impressed me because I think you and I have both seen people talk about the airline industry that don't know the airline industry. And sometimes it's embarrassing Even right. journalists that sometimes are thrown into a story and they don't know what's going on. And they're sort of flailing. Both of them really did their homework. I will say that, you know, um, unequivocally, I was very impressed at the, at the, you know, you can tell from the questions they're asking. Yeah. Both yeah. Of them, they these, neither of these were jury trials for those that don't, don't, you know, they didn't follow it closely. So the judge, you know, will just interrupt uh, an attorney or a witness and ask questions and say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what about this? Well, what if this happened? You know, and both of them really, it was clear to me, they spent hours and hours learning about this industry and the nuances. And I think the ruling reflects that. And and it was for us, it was the only ruling he could have given. I mean, he basically said, you know, he, he cited something uh, that every antitrust lawyer knows very well, but the, the general public may not know as well. And that's the Clayton Act. And basically, you know, it had to do with fairness in 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 uh in this sense. It's 109 years old. Mm -hmm. And 
One of the raps on the Department of Justice that I heard repeatedly in uh, recent weeks was they're overstepping their bounds. They're they're they're, they're you know they're, they're they're going to a place that's never been before. Well, that's not true. What they were doing was reasserting the authority they already had under the Clayton mm-hmm. Act. And guess what? That's exactly what Judge Young said in his ruling. I mean, I right. read every word of the ruling. And he said, look, this is the Clayton Act. The fact that it's 109 years old has nothing to do with it. The, the Constitution is 200 years old, and, and we still live by that, right? So um, the fact is, I mean, and I've been very blunt about this. In my lifetime in this industry, and I started working in the airlines in 85, so 39 years, in my lifetime, the Department of Justice under multiple administrations was very laissez-faire on mergers, as you know. And they had they had never brought a case all the way Mm. The trial, let alone win a trial. Um, you know, I, I testified myself many times in the House and Senate against mergers when I in my days when I was working at Consumer Reports, and um, you know, th- there was this sense that they just wanted to cut a deal. You know, what can we do? Well, we'll give up some some takeoff and landing slots at DCA, or we'll give up some gates at JFK, or and that's what I was. You know, I was concerned that that might happen here. That isn't what happened. The judge said mm-hmm. no. This is anti-competitive, and it's going to be a loss for consumers if Spirit goes away. Right, and right. He stated it in plain English, and and it was a really interesting ruling. If for those that haven't read it, you might want to. Um, at one point, he quotes lyrics from the uh, the musical Les Mis. Okay, <laughs> no, <laughs> just for that, you should read it. it. Exactly. At least he didn't. He wasn't up there singing it. That's in right. reference, to, no, no. In reference to junk fees. Okay, uh, it was very entertaining as well as very enlightening. Um, in the opening, he quotes Yogi Berra, which I found interesting for a guy in Boston uh, as, a, as, a, as a lifelong Yankees fan myself. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, boy, that's a dangerous thing to do in Boston, quote a Yankee. Um, and then at the end, he basically, he not basically, he says it in plain English. He says, this is for those that fly spirit. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know if you have questions specifically about the ruling, but to me, it was a fascinating process. And. You know, I've been talking to reporters in the last couple of days and people are saying to me, well, you know, you always want to have some perspective. What is this? You know, where do we put this? This We're in unprecedented territory. I know that sounds very over the top, but it's I mean it literally. We have never had the DOJ fight a merger and win. Hmm. Uh, you know, they have they have I want to be clear. They have protested certain mergers over the years. Some of them just sort of fell apart under scrutiny. Right. Others, as you know, there were these sort of eleventh-hour deals where it's like, okay, we'll give up some slots, as I said, and then we'll, you know, we'll rubber stamp it. But they never fought it all the way to the, you know, to the mat like this. And so um, we're in a new place. This is a different DOJ. Yeah, it does uh, it does seem to be the case? And now, it, now at this point with this ruling, is there any chance JetBlue uh, or Spirit is going to appeal the ruling in some fashion? I mean, where what's their recourse? Are they following? I haven't heard a word so far. Uh, they issued a statement. It was very brief. And they said they're looking, you know, it was what you would expect. I'm sure an attorney helped write it. It basically said we're looking at whatever legal recourse we have. I mean, what else are they going to say at this point? Mm. Are they going to? I mean, again, we're handicapping. I'm not in those rooms. I have no idea what they're really thinking. But I will say this. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not trying to rub salt in the wounds, but JetBlue is 0 for 2 in federal court right. now in less than a year. You know, first with the ruling uh, earlier in 2023. Uh, against the uh, American Airlines Alliance, and now with this ruling against the merger with Spirit. Um, I mean, how deep are their pockets? I mean, when I was at that courtroom in Boston, and there was an army of lawyers there representing JetBlue, I mean, how how long can they go on with this? You know, yeah. 
Um, clearly, they were all in and they were fighting right till the end. But and of course, they could file an appeal. That's always an option. But I just wonder, like, at what point do they say, well, enough is enough, you know, and focus on running the airline uh, yeah. rather than trying to, you know, find a partner? No, it definitely. Uh, so, so I guess the question is, where does this leave JetBlue? Where does this leave Spirit? Yeah, well, um, I'm glad you asked because uh, I've, I've been following this since day one, needless to say, at American Economic Liberties Project. We're all about <clears throat> monopoly power, <clears throat> excuse me, monopoly power and um, and and co- consolidation and mergers. And, uh, you know, I've been following this whole saga. First, it, of course, it was, you know, the dance partners changed. It was Frontier in Spirit. Then it became JetBlue in Spirit. We know the whole history going back, uh, well, two years now, all the way back to 2022. Um, but... What has happened is, you know, the narrative changed a few times. And and to me, uh, there were some false narratives, quite frankly. And now, uh, you know, we're hearing, all of a sudden we're hearing, well, this means now that Spirit is going to go bankrupt. So I hope you're happy, you know, for those of us that were, that were opposing this merger. Um, the fact is, <clears throat> I was there, as you know, I was in the courtroom on the first day of the trial, when the very, I'm almost positive, the very first witness was the CEO of Spirit. I know that he was one of the first ones. I think he was the very first witness called. And he was asked under oath, plain English, if this merger does not go through, um, you know, will will, will Spirit go under? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, we have a plan B. He said it, I mean, you know, and so he's on the record as saying that. Furthermore, as every lawyer, including the two attorneys that work in-house at, at American Economic Liberties with me, have said, there is something called a, a I'm going to get this a little wrong since I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I believe it's called a failing firm defense. In other words, that if a company is um, facing bankruptcy, the merger rules can can be uh, sort of expedited. And, uh, you know, we saw that, for example, with American Airlines and TWA, right. <clears throat> TWA's Assets were acquired by American in in uh, in bankruptcy court, right? So that was not a defense that was used. The CEO under oath said it wasn't, and now suddenly, um, you know, every armchair pundit is saying uh, it, it's it's a narrative that came out of nowhere. Basically, it came out in the middle of this trial. Suddenly, uh, it was not uh, the case that the lawyers were making in court for for Spirit and JetBlue. They were not saying if this does if, if this deal doesn't go through. Spirit is going to go bankrupt, and now we're hearing that. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's a bit of a false narrative to be very blunt about it. Um, if that were the case, they had ample opportunity to make that case, and they did not. And as I said, if if we can't take the word of the CEO of Spirit, then whose word can we take? Right. So I think it's a bit bogus, and and quite frankly, I think it's a playbook that and I don't know if you're going to get to this, but. I'm not trying to switch gears, but we also have another pending merger. No, we're, uh, we're, let's talk Boston. about that in okay. a little, a little so, while because yeah, that, but but that, that, that one and so far in that narrative there too that if yeah. that if Alaska and, and Hawaiian don't merge, then Hawaiian will go bankrupt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, there are there are there's methodology in the court to prove those things. If you're not going to prove it, then it's you know then then why bring it up? Well, it's interesting because I know Spirit has been proceeding as if they were a separate airline. They've been making lots of announcements, lots of new routes, new routes, uh, other yeah. programs, it's everything else, as yeah. if this was never going to happen. Yeah, and and I'm I was always thinking to myself, well, you know, that could all be out the window if uh, JetBlue does acquire Spirit because they may decide those are not the things they want to do. But Spirit was proceeding as normal. Um, right, and, and you're very right, James. I mean, you're bringing up an excellent point. If 
if they were flailing and and facing you know bankruptcy, would they would they be making all of these plans in the meantime? They clearly had a plan B all along, and you know whether they read the tea leaves and thought the case was not going to go their way or whatever, I I don't know, but you know doesn't matter. The fact is that Spirit has its own course, you know, that they have to play. We know that their, you know, their stock declined in recent days. That's to be expected after an announcement like this. But, um, you know, again, they're, uh, they maintain that they, you know, they will survive. And so, right, right. Um, you know, they are the nation's largest ultra low cost carrier, as was stated over and over again in court. And I think, you know, as you well know, but maybe, you know, a lot of the American public doesn't realize there's a big, big difference between an ultra low cost carrier and a low cost carrier. Right? Yeah. So we're talking about the difference between Spirit and JetBlue, whether you're talking about service or whether you're talking about fares. And um, I think there was an effort to sort of uh, blur that difference. You know, it's like, well, you know, the, the lawyers for JetBlue were saying, well, we're low cost, you know, and it's like, yeah, but you are yeah. not in the same league with Spirit's fares. It was documented. And, and I was happy to see that Judge Young in his ruling, which, you know, I read every line of it twice, he specifically stated that in in markets where JetBlue was already operating and Spirit entered, JetBlue lowered its fares, right? So that clearly shows Spirit's fares were lower. Plus, of course, that that smoking gun of the, the redacted document that entered into the court um, where, you know, internally JetBlue was estimating that fares were going to rise post-merger, you know. Yeah, that, that's a big smoking significantly, gun. Significantly, yeah. you know, 25%, 40%. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, uh, you can't say, well, they're both low cost. They are not, they're, they're two, there's two, you know, there's different grades of cost and fares in the industry. And of course, you know, the majors are higher cost than, than both of them. Yeah. We get that, but... Uh, except when they lower fares below the other two just to get market share. But that's OK. Another... So we're going to go there. Great. Let's do that. <laughs> Happy to talk about it. Yeah. So and that's that's what it drives down fares, actually. So yeah. so effectively now we have spirit on its own. Any chance that uh, it will renew the, the agreement with Frontier or uh, is that something the DOJ is going to go after, too, if let's say uh, spirit and Frontier start and try to link up again? Look, I, uh, you know, I think. It's not hyperbole, as I said, that I, I just I tweeted about this the other day and I used the word unprecedented. And I said, you know, unprecedented is one of those words that could stone a lot around a lot. And it's not always truthful. But in this case, what we saw with this ruling was unprecedented. And for me, you know, this is not a political thing. A lot of people try to politicize this stuff. Um, when you're talking about policies that have been in place across six or seven presidential administrations, you know, for 40 years. To me, that's not political, right? This is not, oh, Biden did this or Trump did that or whatever. You know, this is this is how it was. Uh, you know, whether it was Obama in office or Bush in office, the DOJ was laissez-faire about right. airline mergers. I mean, that's just, that's documented for 40 years. So that's not a Democrat, Republican thing to me. That's not blue or red, right? Until the Biden administration. And this administration, you know, this administration came in and they are doing things that haven't been done. So if I am an airline CEO right now, look, we all know everybody in this industry read this ruling the other day, not just yep. Spirit and JetBlue. And if I'm an, I'm sure that that was read very closely in Seattle at uh, Alaska's headquarters. They were reading every line and every footnote, I'm sure. And now we have a new precedent based on this judge. And by the way, let's state the record here. Judge Young has been in office for a long time. He was appointed by President Reagan. 
Mm. Now, this is a guy who was a a Reagan Republican, right? Right. And he came out, you know, in favor of the Clayton Act and against consolidation. And his word, now I want to be very frank with you. Um, In recent years, I have used the word oligopoly to refer to the, you know, the four big uh, carriers and their sort of stranglehold on the market, controlling 80%. That's, That's a level we've never had before in the past. Back in the old days, the biggest airlines, Pan Am, TWA, they didn't have, you know, 80%, the top four. Uh, None of them had 20% each. Um, What I find interesting is he, Judge Young, this judge who was appointed by Ronald Reagan, he used the word oligopoly in his ruling. Now, to me, that means we're in a whole new place now. We're in a place we've never been. This is being acknowledged by, you know, a Republican judge who... Um, was appointed by, you know, one of the most conservative presidents we've had in the last half century. And um, he said, no, this is this is an industry that is an oligopoly. Um, So, you know, I mean, there's look, there's there's no shortage of questions about will Frontier come back and make another run at spirit for round two? What's going to happen with Alaska and, um, you know, and uh, Hawaiian? What what's going to happen with JetBlue? They're going to look for a new partner now. You know, the rumors, they just never stop. But if you're an airline CEO and you're looking at this Department of Justice, I would have to assume that you are a little leery about launching another merger attempt at this point, because this is just not the same DOJ that we have seen for the last 40 years. End stop. There's nothing else to say beyond that. You know, they have shown, um, you know, that now they have not spoken publicly yet on Alaska and Hawaiian, but that's not surprising because they're doing their due diligence clearly behind closed doors, I'm sure. But I, you know, I would, I'm sure we're going to be hearing soon on that. Yeah. So you think there's a possibility DOJ will go after the uh, Hawaiian uh, Alaska merger? I have, yeah. I mean, look, I have no inside information. I don't know, but I have to assume it, you know, because um, uh, there are, it's a different merger, obviously, than Spirit and JetBlue. It raises different issues. But it's problematic in its own way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot to it. Uh, we look at it as sort of a a three front uh, issue. I mean, you have the intra Hawaiian market, which is um, unique. It's not like anything in any other state. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I always say that you know the thing about what Hawaiian does and what Aloha before it went bankrupt, what it did with all that intra island you know traffic. It's not even airline service in a way. It's it's more like you know commuter rail or 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 bus. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like this is how people get to work in some cases in Hawaii. This is how they go to school. This is how they they go to doctors meetings. This is how they pick up their kids on the weekends in custody. You know they bounce around from island to island. It's it's not like oh we're getting on a plane and flying from Chicago to you know to New York, and um, it's it's unique and. You know, to try and run that from Seattle with that culture. And, you know, and let's not yeah. forget also, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, Hawaiian is one of the oldest airlines in the United States, in the world, in fact. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it, in a way, in a way, Alaska and Hawaiian are similar in that Hawaii has that inter island thing and Alaska has inner Alaska. Yes, uh, you absolutely. Know, that, that's with the horizon and all that. The, right. So they're both doing similar functions, except now Alaska has branched out, you know, to go all over the place. And right. obviously they bought uh, uh, Virgin America uh, a few years back. And so now 
you know, their position. So I guess they thought this was a good combination, but we're going to have to wait and see whether that's actually going to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and then, you know, they look, I mean, let's be blunt about it. Um, they really uh, screwed up with um, the Virgin America acquisition. Now, you and I both know there aren't too many fans of uh, individual U.S. airlines these days. Not too many of them have fan clubs or Facebook pages. And yet Virgin America, I would argue, in the last 20 years, had the most loyal following of any airline in the United States sure. that I've seen. You know, I flew them myself, but you can't go by me because I fly everybody. I make a point to, you know, never fly the same airline twice if I can avoid it. And I, you know, I try and <laughs> I try and sample that's them getting all. harder to do though. <laughs> well, no, true, true, absolutely. But I always try and sample them all. I don't want to say, well, I haven't flown them in four years. You know, I try and fly, you know, I've flown the new guys, Breeze and Avello. Um, but it, my point with Virgin America is they really angered a lot of people. Virgin America had a very loyal following. Sure. And um, what did they do? They came along, very different corporate culture. And, you know, I mean, Virgin America disappeared. They drowned it. Well, also Virgin America was having a challenge because, you know, Sir Richard Branson, you know, who had helped to create that, but then couldn't own it because of uh, the rules in the U.S. here about foreign right. ownership, um, you know, basically had to, uh, they had to find a partner because they were no longer going to be partnered with Virgin Atlantic because guess right. what? Virgin Atlantic is now, you know, half owned by Delta. So right. that's that that that's where Branson went. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And 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 you know, and, and look, I mean, you know, it was in it was a rather extraordinary merger in that Richard Branson publicly said to reporters um that if he did have control of Virgin America, which as you say, because of the US law, he cannot as a foreign national, um, if he did, he would have prevented the Alaska merger. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, right on the eve of the merger. He said that publicly. Um, but my point was more about the public, you know, that yeah. that there was this loyal following. And I I, I have to believe that there are people uh, internally, uh, you know, in the C-suite at Alaska that know that they screwed up with Virgin America. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think they're trying to make take steps to try and say that, well, we're not going to you know, this isn't going to go the way that one went. Yeah, well, I, re I remember when I got on a plane that had been a Virgin America plane and it was now Alaska and it still was configured uh, as a Virgin America plane. And, and you would say, wow, this is great. It's a Virgin America uh, plane. And we and we like that. Uh, I do remember right. that. Yeah, right. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, and now Virgin America has gone, just like all of, you know, all the long, long list of uh, airlines that have gone, you know, through through mergers. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I mean, again, it's just, it's very hard to prognosticate now. It really is. If you had asked me 10 years ago, what do I think of this or what do I think of that merger? It would have been a little easier because it was like, well, here comes the rubber stamp again. And there it goes, you know, um, we're not there now. We're in a different place. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the industry responds. But again, I, I can't imagine there are too many airline executives after that ruling the other day saying, hey, you know, what would be a good idea. Let's, let's launch a new merger. Uh, yeah. With this DOJ, I would be very wary. Of course, of course, who could knows what in the future where we, if we have a new administration and whether that's going to affect things and they may be waiting for that. Uh, but just to back but, but, but excuse me, I just let me just say there real quick, James, what James, what Judge Young did in Boston was he set a new precedent, too. So there's that okay. as well. I mean, you know, from a from a, a, a judicial perspective, we're in, you know, we're in a new place, too, no matter who's president. But you're absolutely right. I mean, a new DOJ could go in another direction. Let's hope not. Now, just to backtrack a little bit on what's going to happen with JetBlue now, uh, we had, you know, as as we've been talking about, we had them try to do the North 
uh, East Alliance with American, which I, I don't think they ever had their heart in that one, um, uh, even though, you know, that it did give them some advantages. Although the next time I had to book a, a, a JetBlue flight to, to Miami and realized, no, I'm actually in the American terminal. Um, that, that was another story. Uh, but but so that, that that didn't work. The judge ruled against that. The different judge, as you mentioned. Right. Then we had this with the spirit. And um, and then we also had recently Robin Hayes, who's the CEO, announced his retirement from JetBlue. Uh, so now we have a different, uh, you know, a different leadership at JetBlue. Where do they go from here? Do they are they desperate to have such a merger partner? I mean, I've heard crazy rumors that they would even look at we were talking about Breeze Airways because Dave Nealman, who was the one of the founders of JetBlue, the founder of JetBlue and went off and created more airlines and one of them is Breeze. And, uh, you know, they're trying their best. They've got a very different strategy. And I don't know quite know if it's caught on yet, but I even saw a, a, an account saying possibly, you know, JetBlue could look at them. Yeah, and I, I flew Breeze, and it was a very good experience, by the way. Um, you know, it was ultra low cost. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pretend right. that it wasn't. Um, you know, you got a bottle of water, and that was it. But um, you know, for for what I was doing, it made a lot of sense. Right. And, and couldn't beat the price. That's for sure. Um, you know, we all have. You know, what we what we try and say is we don't. I, I never tell people this is the airline you should fly. Right. What I say is, you know, you should have a choice. You know. There, look, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to uh, get away from the issue with Breeze. We can get back to it for a moment, but let's just talk about Spirit for a quick moment because okay. we all know that Spirit is a problematic airline. I mean, all you have to do is Google my name and Spirit. You'll see that I've been critical of them over the years. But the point is, it's about choice. And what you cannot do, nobody, because this is documented, is deny that Spirit enters a market and offers rock bottom fares, right? Right. And I've told this anecdote repeatedly. I'll, I'll share it with you, too. I had a friend who said to me a couple of months back when I told him I was going to Boston, he said, oh, you know, what's going on? And I told him and he said, oh, Spirit. He said, I, I would never fly Spirit. Who cares if they go away? Let Even though go. I, got, I got to say, they've gotten better. Uh, Spirit, yes, I, I agree. Spirit, they've I definitely agree. gotten better. I mean, I, I, I used to be that same way. I'll never fly Spirit right. uh, uh, because of the comfort, because of the, the kind of uh, uh, piecemeal fare structure where you end up paying almost as much as you would have. You have to do your homework. Otherwise, you're going to get sticker shock. Right. But my point with my friend was, I said to him, look, you know, you have the right not to fly Spirit. That's your business. I said, who do you fly? He said, one of the big three. And I said, well, you live in Florida part time, right? I said, how often do you go to Florida? Five or six times a year. I said, so who do you fly? And I, he might have said Delta. It doesn't matter. It was one of the big three. Delta, American United, doesn't matter. I said, do you understand that when you're flying on a route that Spirit flies, you're paying less? You don't have to fly Spirit to benefit from their presence. When I said that, suddenly he didn't want to see Spirit go away, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that a lot of people don't understand. And I get it. He's not an airline guy. But when I explained it to him, he got it, you know, and he said, oh, that's very hitched. I said, you know, if Spirit merges with JetBlue at that point, we didn't know. I said, 48 hours later, you're going to be paying more. I mean, it's it's going to happen that quickly. Yeah. I mean, you know, fares are going to go up and the big guys are going to love it because it's like they got rid of Spirit. So our point is, you know, we did a lot of research on this and we did a lot. We had, you know, our staff, we were doing a deep dive on Spirit's uh, passengers and route by route. By the way, Spirit is not just a domestic airline. A lot of people don't realize this. They have a very extensive route map throughout the Caribbean, Central right. America, Latin America, right. Mexico. Mexico, I believe. And so you have a lot of in the old days, this used to be called ethnic travel. They're, they're, it's often referred to now as VFR, not visual flight rules, but visiting <laughs> friends and relatives. Right. Right. So you have people that are going home to see their family or their family is coming to visit them. And Spirit's the only option, right? It's not 
oh, I have to pay $50 more, I have to pay $100 more. It's, well, now I can't go, you know? And those people get forgotten a lot, you know? And 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 I was glad to see that the DOJ in, you know, the lawyers in, in, in Boston, they made this case repeatedly that if spirit goes away, none of us want to pay more for an airfare. Of course not. And and you don't and I don't. But chances are we're probably going to take the trip if it, if the price goes up by 100 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. For some people, that means they're not going at all. And so right. I, I, you know, I, would I like to see Spirit be a, a better airline on the customer service side? Yes. I'm not going to be hypocritical. I'm on the record as saying we're concerned about the tight seats and this and that and everything else, the transparency of the fees. However, I, I'm not here to say I don't want to see that airline, you know, uh, continue to exist. It serves a vital need for a lot of people. Anyway, I just wanted to put that on the record. So thank you for. No, no, I, just to get back to that breeze thing, and actually I'll ask yeah. it in a different way because obviously now we have uh, all, all things being equal. Spirit will be out there as an ultra low, uh, uh, ultra low cost carrier. Um, uh, then we have Frontier, which keep right. forgetting about. It. I just wrote about them today. Right. They have a new base in Puerto Rico. For God's sake, they're right. Expanding, right. and then we have the other the, the new startups, uh, as you mentioned, Avello and uh, Breeze. So and don't forget Allegiant too. They're in the oh, uh, I, well. you know what? Absolutely, Allegiant yeah. is absolutely that's the third. Yeah. And and is this enough pressure uh, on the big four to keep fares reasonable and and also to serve communities that are not served? Well, you you raise a great question, and this is another thing that I thought uh, sort of became. Uh, muddled in in court and and again kudos to Judge Young for seeing through this. Uh, JetBlue's lawyers I noticed kept talking about you know market share and they spoke about it in national terms. They kept saying, well we're you know we're we're very small compared to the big guy, which is absolutely true. I mean it's a statistical fact, right? JetBlue is nowhere near the size of the big four, any of them individually. But Here's the thing. The airline industry is not like other industries in that it's not about the national market share. If you're flying from point A to point B, you care about that market. You don't care what the big picture is, who has 20 percent and who has 8 percent and who has 4 percent. And so, you know, Judge Young was very, very good about asking questions about that. And I was happy to see that, you know, he didn't buy that argument. Airlines are different. It's just that simple, you know. The CEO of um, of JetBlue said in more than one interview, I, I saw him say it, Robin Hayes, the now soon to be ex-CEO, he, he said, well, we're not, speaking of JetBlue and Spirit, he said, well, we're not Coke and Pepsi. He, ah. he, he brought up that analogy. Now, clearly, he meant Coke and Pepsi, uh, you know, they're a duopoly that have a huge market share each, and then there are smaller you know, colas out there, right? But they're they're the two big, you know, the two big gorillas, right? Well, that's not accurate when you look at the airline industry route by route. So I went in and then I, I tweeted about this and I said, well, here are some cities where JetBlue is dominant, like in Boston. And yeah. in Fort Lauderdale, Little Spirit, who, you know, is nowhere near yeah. the size of the others, is dominant, right? And that's how it works in the airline industry. So the, to bring up the analogy of Coke and Pepsi, the reason it doesn't work is, you you know, we all know anywhere in the United States, I mean, really anywhere in the world, but let's just stay in the United States. Anywhere in the United States, from Maine to Alaska to Hawaii to Georgia, you can walk into a grocery store and there's Coke and there's Pepsi and you can make your choice. You don't have that with the airline industry, right? You don't, 
every airport does not serve, you know, is not served by Spirit, JetBlue, American, Delta, right? And so in some cases, there's three airlines, in some cases, two, in some cases, one. One. I've, we've been doing some research on, on Guam. I mean, Guam, there is one U.S. carrier, it's United, end of story. You know, there's some foreign carriers and that's it, right? So that's what's different about the airline industry. And so when, when, you know, when you talk about the size of an airline, that's not as relevant if you're looking at it route by route. Yeah. And so if you look at Spirit, there are a lot of routes. And I did I did the, the homework and I did a deep dive several months back. And um, I was surprised to see some of the places Spirit flew that I didn't realize. Like they had a very big presence, have a very big presence out of Chicago O'Hare. You would think they'd be out of Midway where a lot of the yeah. you know, close carriers usually go to the smaller airports. But they're right there. Now, as we all know, O'Hare is a hub for not one, but two of the big three, American and United. So I saw a whole bunch of routes where there were three carriers serving it. O'Hare to, you know, City X and City Y, American, United, Spirit. What do we think is going to happen if Spirit disappears, right? What are American United going to do? They're going to be popping champagne bottles, right? Because those <laughs> fares are going to go the next day, right? And And that's what we have to understand is that it's the size is not relevant. So in answer to your question, do you know, do these little guys, do they annoy the big, big guys? You bet they do. You know, they're like, it's not like, oh, they're a fly and they're annoying them. No, they're, you know, they're affecting pricing in yeah. a good way for consumers. And we do, you know, and I've said this a thousand times, people have said to me, you know, they've criticized spirit. And I said, we do not want to see spirit go away. And right. the thing is, you don't even have to fly spirit to benefit from it. And that's what you have to understand, you know, or, or frontier in that case, right? Uh, right, exactly. I mean, and, and then we have the new the new breed as Allegiant we were talking about with, with Breeze, Allegiant, and and Avello. Um, so those are all good things. Let, I guess let's close on this. Uh, where and this from your perspective, because this is your focus, is on the passenger, is is on the consumer. Where does the, all this leave airline passengers today? Uh, from all I'm, what we've been saying, really, passengers probably are better off. Now that this uh, merger, the JetBlue Spirit merger has been nixed, now that there's a climate where uh, is not in favor of more airline mergers, we'll have to see what happens with Hawaiian and uh, Alaska. But uh, in 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 the end, are they are our airline passengers better off today? No question. This was a victory for travelers because if you flip it, I and I believe this sincerely. I would say it under oath. If you flip it, the the harms that that so upset passengers about the airline industry, many of them came from the consolidation, okay? The bad behavior of the airline industry, you know, when you look at the debacle of 2022 and how, you right. know, the, the cancellations and all of that stuff, the the, the, the flight disruptions, the, the lack of paying refunds, you know, and people talk about bad behavior. Well, why do the airlines, you know, engage in bad behavior? Why do they, why, why do they act badly? Because they can, all caps. I mean, that's the answer. And you and I both remember a time when the big guys, forget these smaller carriers, the big guys used to bash each other's brains out. You and I worked together when, at a time when, you know, I was the aviation editor and you were the managing editor, and we were writing stories every week um, for the trade press right. about, you know, Northwest and uh, American bashing each other's brains out with 50% off sales, right? I have a question for you. When was the last time you saw one of the big three engage in a, in a fair sale like that, right? No, we haven't I seen haven't that. I haven't seen it in 20 years. I okay. know, it's crazy, although... 
you know, you do see in certain markets. Uh, yeah, yeah, individually, right. That, that when I mean, you say, you know, I've looked at I've looked at, at the so-called low-cost carriers, and then I right. you know, add up add up all the numbers, and I realize probably Delta or American is probably the same price. Right, but but you know, I've I've done the deep dive on this, and if you look at the quarterly DOT airfare reports, which is you know they're factual, they these are fares actually paid. The routes that have the highest fares in the United States are those that don't have low fare competition. Right. Right. No spirit, no frontier, no, 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 no jet blue, nothing. And the routes conversely that where you have the lowest fares, no surprise. There's a velo, there's breeze, there's there's frontier, there's spirit, right? And so um as but but my point is competing with each other, the big guys against the big guys, as we used to see, no. And I, you know, I would argue that this is uh, one of uh, the two key things that that we at Economic Liberties believe, two key factors here. One is the failures of deregulation. The other is the failures of consolidation. And the consolidation, you'll remember, I don't mean to go back into the past too far, but 2017, you'll remember Dr. Dow, the passenger who was dragged and beaten bloody and dragged off of a United Airlines uh, commuter flight because they wanted his seat. And um I testified at a hearing in, in the House Transportation uh, a couple of weeks after that. I was the only consumer advocate sitting next to five airline advocate, uh, airline CEOs, including the United chairman and CEO. And, um, you know, this was as big a black eye as a corporation has gotten in this industry in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. I mean, you know, alongside Southwest last year with their debacle, but they paid for it, as we know. Right. And. United, I mean, it behaved awful. And, and 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 even a few days afterwards, they were still doubling down and and blaming the passenger, the victim, basically, the guy that said, no, I paid for my seat and I don't want to leave. And they beat him up, uh, literally. I mean, they gave him a black eye and a, and a concussion. Um, and, you know, I was talking to a lot of reporters at the time after I tested about a four and a half hour hearing. And I said, well, we'll see, you know, how the market responds. Well, guess what? I, I waited and waited. And in the following quarter, United stock went up. Now, I would argue that there was a time where there's no way that would have happened because there was more competition and people would have, remember we used to use this term, you hardly ever hear it anymore. We used to use it all the time when we worked at Travel Agent Magazine, book away, remember? We used to say, oh, yeah. yeah booking yeah, away right. from an airline. Sometimes it was because of a safety issue. There was an accident and they'd say, well, we're going to book away from that airline, right? Well, how are you going to book away now uh, in much of the country? Now, in places like New York and Washington, Chicago, Los Angeles, okay, it's a different story. You have more choices. But in much of the country, you know, how can you book away? If you live in the South, it's very hard to book away from Delta. I'm not picking on Delta. I'm just saying like, you know, and, and if you live, you know, so many cities and, and you know, smaller communities. Um, so we don't have that. So that's my answer in terms of, you know, is this a good thing? The flip side of this is it, it's, it, it's, it's a must. What we have said at Economic Liberties is, First, let's stop the bleeding. If we're going to fix this industry, we have to stop the consolidation because mm-hmm. it just keeps making it smaller and smaller and more and more problems. And so we have said publicly to the DOJ, we filed comments with the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. It was the first thing I did at Economic Liberties two years ago when I first came on board. Um, we filed comments saying, let's put a moratorium on all mergers in the airline industry until we can properly analyze the harms that we've already seen. Right. Because it's Groundhog Day, James. We 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 treat each of these mergers as if there haven't already been dozens of mergers before, and nobody ever goes back and looks at all the false promises and the things that didn't happen that they said were going to happen, right? And oh, it's going to lower fares and it's going to be great, and you know, and we see less service, fewer routes, fewer nonstops, et cetera, closure of hubs. 
you know, and we talk a lot about regional inequality. And I think a lot of times people think rural states and they think, you know, Montana, Idaho. North, that's true. Those states are very, you know, they're, they're really harmed. But what about places like St. Louis, Cleveland, oh, yeah. Yeah. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh? These are big cities with major league baseball teams that don't have hubs anymore. And they, you know, you know, they lose corporations. They pick up and move. You're not going to have your sales staff making four flights a day when they could do two, right? And so they say, okay, well, if there's no hub, we're gone. So we're looking at economic liberties right now as we speak, and this has nothing to do with the Spirit Jet Blue ruling. This just happens to be coinciding with it. In the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm doing a little teaser here, but we're going to be making some announcements on some, some fundamental recommendations for fixing this industry. And one of them is addressing that, is saying, we're not saying that airline CEOs uh, don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, but they have their interests and the public has theirs, right? And when you close a hub in a big place like Cincinnati, you're hurting an entire region, millions yeah. of people, you know, and and corporations, as I say, pick up and move out. It, it costs jobs. And so we're saying it's time to fix, you know, what's broken. No, Absolutely. Well, on that note, and I think the next time we'll be speaking with you is after you uh, issue that report on your, your recommendations for airlines. I'd love to get back on uh, to do an interview with you then to Let's... talk about those those uh, those considerations and those recommendations. Uh, Bill, always fascinating. Uh, I guess congratulations are in order because this is a result that uh, you uh, wanted uh, and is actually every passenger should want in, in the airlines mm -hmm. today. And, uh, you know, I know you were there at the beginning. I Talk to you as you said up in the hotel room in in Boston at the beginning of the trial, and to find out pretty quickly actually for a, a trial uh, that that the judge rules against the merger was probably a, a, a victory for you as as an organization, but also for airline passengers in the U.S. So again, thank you for taking the time today to explain this. You know this this ruling. Uh, it was a major ruling in, in airlines, and we'll see what happens um, with the with the Alaska Hawaiian uh, thing. Well, uh, you know, we'll see what happened after happen with that one. But after that, there's really nothing else on the table. So again, great to see you, Bill, and we'll see you soon uh, as soon as your report get, comes out. Excellent. Let's lock something in, and we'll be talking soon. But it's always a pleasure. Thanks, James. I'm James Schillinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report.